City Chapel, we do like to have fun. We like to try new things. We like to try some crazy things, but we also like to focus on Jesus, and we like to focus on the Word of God. And so we're going to be we're going to be looking through the uh, the book of First John. If you've heard about if you've heard, if you've heard of First John, there's First John, Second John, Third John, and it's right at the end of the New Testament. And so if you have a Bible with you, you're, you're welcome to pull that out and read it. If not, we're going to have it up here on the screen. But um, we're starting a new sermon series today uh, that we're calling Alignment. Um, alignment, and that's it's kind of a, a big word. We don't use. Okay, that's a, that's First John. That's awesome. So anyway, we're starting a sermon series called Alignment. If you want to put up the definition of alignment, just 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 to kind of let you know a little bit. Alignment is the arrangement in a straight line or in a correct or appropriate relative position. It's also a position of agreement or alliance. And so um, I uh, I'm I'm going to be preaching through First John, going verse through verse, word for word, through the entire book over the next four weeks. And I'd really encourage you um, to come every one of those weeks because if you miss, then you're not going to see how John builds his letter, how he, how he, how he writes his letter. And, and each and every week, I believe, is going to be very significant and very helpful for you, especially when it comes to getting into alignment. I believe that um, God's doing some great things uh, here at City Chapel. A lot of people are finding Jesus, some for the very first time in their life. Other people are coming back to him. Yeah, and it's exciting. And it's so exciting. But 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 the thing about the thing about Jesus is you 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 you, you never quite um, arrive. <laughs> you never quite get to the fullness of where you know everything and you're set for life. There's always there's always some um, alignment that needs to happen in your life. That I believe that each one of us we can take a step toward agreeing with God or coming into a position of agreement with Him about what He says about us and about our lives and about our situations. Um, I, I I had the idea for this this sermon series actually um, about a month ago or so. Um, uh, in December, uh, some some folks from the church uh, uh, paid for me to get an hour long massage, and um, which I'm not saying that that's a requirement for being a member of City Chapel. I'm not saying that it's not either. It's it's a good idea, you know, to pay for your pastor to get a massage. So anyway, I just drop that off. And um, so I went I, I went to get the massage and um, and, and then the massage therapist said, you know, it, it, sound, it feels like you got a real problem kind of in your back, in the middle of your back and and, and, in, and in your rib. Like there's 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 this, this tightness and issue there. And so I began to tell her about this accident that I had had uh, when I was, in, I think I was 22, I was in Bible college and I was playing soccer. Um, I, I grew up playing soccer. I love playing soccer. And um, uh, what, 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 what happened what had happened was, is we were, we were, <laughs> we were playing soccer. And uh, I, I grew up, I started playing soccer when I was seven. I played till I was about 18. I, and then I coached like little league kids. And so I just loved soccer. So I went to Bible college, started playing soccer. And we were playing. And I was usually a forward, either a right forward or a center defender. I don't know if you guys know the positions, but um, those, those, that, that was like I would, I would hold down the defense or I would kind of uh, assist the forwards, the scoring guys. And so I was, I was playing. And I, I, had, I, had, I was a forward. I had made my way past the midfielders. And um, uh, I was—I mean, I was moving down the field, and all I had there was one defender left in front of me, and he was kind of a short, sort of stocky guy. He was shorter than me; and he was about 250 pounds. And so I knew I could—I I knew I could juke him. I knew I could get past him. But the problem is, I didn't have a lot of space. Like he's kind of running backwards like this, and 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 we're coming up on the goal line. And so um, I, I looked over to my right, and there was a there was a, a, a fellow teammate there. And so I just did this this beautiful little left left-footed pass, you know, just kind of glided it right there. He was in the perfect position. He, and, and I, I fouled it through with my 
eyes. Well, the defender, normally defenders like try to defend, but I think he was a little bit upset that he got burned. So he just like stopped like dead in his tracks like this and like lowered his shoulder. So I passed like this and I'm running full steam and then I, I, I caught his shoulder right in my, right in my rib cage. I flipped over him, landed on my back. I'm looking up at the sky and uh, I was just in pain. Of course, I was only 22, so I got back up, kept playing. And, uh, but I was sore. I was sore and it got more sore. I couldn't even take full breaths anymore. So I, I, I drove home and uh, got some x-rays and they said, yeah, you fractured your rib and you put your back out at that same spot uh, on your spine where your ribs are connected. And so they, they put me on the special table, you know, and cracked my back and it felt, it felt good. And, um, what? Yes, with a fractured rib. I am that tough. I just, you know. Fractured rib on the table. Cracking my back. That's, that's, that's how I roll. I mean, you can't leave because, because my back had been knocked out of alignment. My back had been knocked out of alignment. And you don't, like, you don't know pain until your back is out of alignment, okay? That's not good. It affects everything in your whole body. And so they, they put my back back into alignment. Well, what I've noticed is, 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 is basically throughout the years, whenever I, when, whenever things, whenever I have a lot of stress or there's a lot of tightness in my back or, or I'm doing a lot of physical exercise, which I try to avoid, um, uh, but planting a church, you do have to do a lot of setting up and tearing down and putting the signs out and everything. And, I, and I've noticed that that, that that part in my back starts, tends, to, tends to almost go out again. Like it slips and I, I feel it and I, I get tense and I get a lot of knots and everything. So that's what I was telling the massage therapist. And she said, well, you need to see a chiropractor. So I was telling Ro about this over Christmas break. And I said, babe, you know, I think I need to see a chiropractor. And, and I forgot, but we have uh, a chiropractic couple um, in our church. They run a chiropractor business in Kyle. And so I talked to them and they they, uh, they gave me the hookup. And I, I, w I went to Greg, Dr. Greg, um, Greg and Freddie. And uh, Dr. Greg, you know, gave me his professional opinion that my back was jacked up. Um, and uh, that it needed some alignment. And um, so, anyway, he also noticed there were several spots in my neck, three spots in my neck, I think, that were out, and like my lower back that were out. And so he began just kind of, you know, manipulating my back. And I don't know if you've ever been to a chiropractor, but um, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's great. I thought it was great. He kind of snaps your neck a little bit. And, and I had been having headaches about three times a week. I have these headaches in the back of my head. I haven't had like a single headache like since I started going to the chiropractor. And, and you know, I, I think that's great. I I mean, I believe in healing from God, but I also believe that God uh, gives doctors and chiropractors gifts to be able to learn stuff. And what he's been doing, he's been, he's been putting my back back into alignment. And he was talking to me one day, and he said, um, he said, he, he said, you know, we have a saying in chiropractic. Um, chiro chiro chiropractic practice was invented, I think, in 1895. It's fairly new. Um, he said that we have a saying that the thing that created the body has the power to heal the body. And, um, you know, and, 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 and obviously they're not necessarily talking about Jesus, but they are talking about, um, you know, pretty much your, your body that God made, that it has within itself the ability to, to bring healing to different parts. So if you get, if, if you get a cut, your body can, can heal that cut, like, by itself, if, if it's working properly. Uh, if, if, you, if you get a virus, your body knows what to do with that virus. This is the way that God created it to, to happen. So when you're in the womb and your brain began telling your body how to form and everything, your brain is basically the general uh, 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 seat or the main center of, of, of all operations. And your brain can, can reach out and to, and to tell um, blood cells to go here, to go there, your, 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 your lungs to breathe. You know, I mean, this is, your brain kind of runs the show. Well, the, the highway of, 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 of 
of information is your spine. So your brain sends signals down your spine to the rest of your body. And so if your spine is misaligned, if your spine is out, it can, it can cramp the signal the brain's trying to send to that part of the body. And that part of the body remains sickly. It remains uh, sore. It remains not well because it's not receiving a message from the head. And so being a preacher, I immediately just started preaching, you know, because this is, because this is, this is our walk with God. Um, I think a lot of the sickness in our lives, not necessarily, I'm not, not just talking about physical sickness, but I, I am, there is physical sickness. Um, there is also emotional sickness and mental sickness, relational sickness, financial sickness. A lot of the sickness in different parts and pieces of our life are a direct result of not hearing from our head, from Jesus. We are, the messages get blocked. <laughs> and uh, there's tightness there, there's misalignment there. And what it does is it keeps us in bondage in certain areas. And, and, and kind of like me with, with, with respect to my, my back, I just learned to live with a certain amount of pain. I just learned to sort of manage that and just, and just know that, especially like because of the past few months we've been sleeping on an air mattress. Um, and so that's a whole other story. Uh, and so my back, you know, it's just, it's just, well, it's just sore today or my neck's sore or I have a headache or whatever. But what I didn't understand is that, is that, it, that my body was not supposed to feel that way. And I think some of us, with respect to various areas of our life, we don't understand that we're supposed to be healed in that area. We're supposed to walk in health in our relationships. We're supposed to walk in fullness in our finances. And not that God wants you to, everybody to be rich, but God wants you to be able to have wisdom to deal with finances so that you're not stressing about it. You're supposed to be able to have, to have, to have, to have a marriage where there's not strife and contention and fighting. This is, this is, this is normal for, for the children of God. So if you're a Christian today, I want to, I want to preach to you from 1 John about, really, John is trying to realign the church. He's trying to kind of, he's the, he's, he's like a spiritual chiropractor. He's just, he's He's cracking their neck and their back and stuff. And I think it's going to be applicable to us. But even if you're not a Christian, if you're just curious about Christianity, uh, this is this First John gives you a perfect um, picture of, of, of sort of the basics, the tenets, like the, the root, the ground level. Because whenever, because whenever you're dealing with some kind of misalignment or some kind of sickness, it's always good to go back to the spine, which is the center. And it's almost like the spine is a, is a, is a, is a metaphor for, for our spirit. And if your spirit is out of alignment with God, you're not going to be able to have the healing and all all the areas of your life that God intended for you to have. But if you can just allow the Word of God to kind of realign and crack it back into place, then the, the, the free flow of information will come from your head to every part of your body. I noticed just uh, about six months ago, my, 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 my thumb got really sore and um, I, couldn't really, I couldn't really grip anything. Um, even shaking people's hands was painful here on Sunday. So uh, if I shook your hand like a girl, that's because... <laughs> I was sore. And I, I, I didn't know if it was because I was playing keys a lot more than I have ever in my life or if it's because I'm just doing other things. But, um, but, but after he started readjusting my, my neck, I, I noticed that, that my, my thumb wasn't sore and I had strength again. I talked to him about that. And he said, yeah, well, that's because the nerve endings for your hand are located in your neck and your neck's getting realigned. And so your brain's able now to speak and to, and to bring healing to that thumb. And I, I just thought it was so interesting. So, so hopefully, as we walk through the Word of God... Hopefully this Word of God will align us. But first of all, I do have to warn you, when you read the Bible, you cannot read it like a critic. Like, you can't read it to decide whether or not you agree with it. You have to agree with it first and read it and submit to it. 
I mean, you don't have to, but if you want to get anything out of it, you have to. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's, like if you if you want it to speak to you, you have to open up your ears. You got you got to say, "Speak to me, Lord. Just go ahead and show me what I need to do." So, so as we as as we open this this book of the Bible, let's let's just read it with an open heart, with open mind. First John chapter one, and uh, over the next four weeks, we're going to go through all chapters. I'm going to go through chapter one today and part of chapter two. Um, chapter one, verse one says, "That which was from the beginning." And I, and 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 I just like how John starts this this letter. He doesn't say hi. He doesn't say how's it going, guys. Love you. You know, long time no see. No, he just jumps right into the mission of his letter. The mission of his letter is he says that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled. Now, now it seems almost like okay, he already said that we have heard, we've seen, we've looked upon. Sounds a lot like seen. We have ha- handled with our hands concerning the capital W word of life. He's talking about Jesus. He called, Jesus is called the word of life. He says, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen which, with, with our eyes, what we've looked upon, sounds a little bit redundant, but there's a reason why he's, he's being so specific. And our hands have handled, he says, concerning the word of life, the life was manifested or revealed. And we have seen and we bear witness and declare to you uh, the eternal life that was with the Father and was revealed to us. That which we have seen, there's that word again, and heard, same word again, we declare to you. In order that you may also have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write that your joy may be full. Right away, in the first paragraph, he is, he is telling us why he's writing this letter. And it's not addressed to anyone. It's not addressed to the Christians in Philippi. It's not addressed to the Hebrews. This is, this is a, a letter that m- most scholars believe was intended to be read across every Christian church. And this is written by John, who was the oldest living apostle. He was the last living... He, he's the only apostle who wasn't murdered. Uh, he's the only disciple of Jesus that died of natural causes. And uh, scholars believe this is either the last book of the Bible to be written or the second to last. It's either like this one or the book of Revelation were both written around um, 95 A.D. And so the church has had some time to mature. The church started off as just a whole bunch of scattered home groups that, that were very disorganized. But, you know, since in 95 A.D., they had some time to become a little bit organized in their, in their doctrine, in their belief, and in their practices. And what had happened over time as always happens with humans is that we start to we start to get misaligned so the spine of the church was was getting some was getting some kinks in it uh, they were they were they were operating with some with some some paralysis in their body with some sickness because of the center of their of their theology was starting to slip off which is why John is so specific about the fact that he saw Jesus he touched Jesus by the way he saw Jesus he also heard Jesus and he saw him and he touched him. I mean, he's like almost redundant about this. And to us English readers, we're like, well, what's the big deal? Yeah, 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 we get it. You saw Jesus. Jesus was manifested to you. Well, this is really, really a big deal because it, it's a major reason as to why John is writing this letter. He's, he's a spiritual chiropractor and he's looking, he's feeling really the, the neck of the church and the spine of the church. He's feeling for where they have gone off. And this is a clue as to where they've gone off. But, but before I get to that, I do want to tell you that he says the purpose of the letter right here. He says, he says, that which was seen, that's Jesus, we declare to you. The whole purpose of this letter is to tell you about who Jesus is. 
That's the whole purpose. The whole purpose of this letter is to declare to you Jesus. Now, why do you want to know about Jesus? Well, he tells you that you also may have fellowship. Fellowship means partnership. It means, it means a comrade. It means somebody to come alongside you. You may also have fellowship, he says, with us. That's horizontal. But also with God. That's vertical. So, so the whole purpose of the book is that you might know about Jesus. And the reason why you want to know about Jesus is because then you can enter into fellowship with, with others who know about Jesus, but also with God. And Jesus is the only way to God. That's what Jesus said. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. And so John says, look, you really, you really, really got to know about Jesus. And, and just to clear this up, I want to tell you that I saw him, I touched him, I walked with him, I lived with him for at least three years. I know that he was who he said that he was. Now, now why is he so explicit in this? Well, the reason why he's, he's going over this over and over again is because the problem, the misalignment within the church was not really really a, a misalignment of practice. It was a misalignment of theology. It's amazing to me that, that the church can go through persecution, that the church can go through the, the might of Rome trying to crush and feed their leaders to the lions and crucifying them and burning them at the stake. And that doesn't deter the church. But the one thing that, that can deter the church is not necessarily discouragement, but deception. And so there was a group of people uh, known as Gnostics. Uh, they, they claimed to be Christians, but they claimed to have special knowledge. That's what Gnostic means. Gnostic, G-N-O-S-T-I-C, is from the Greek word uh, gnosko, or, uh, uh, or if, you, if you pronounce it correctly, it's more like gnosko, like you, you, you taste it while you say it. It's a G in front of it, and you, you taste it. Um, that's, that, that, that's what it means. Because they claimed that they had received some special knowledge that was different than the apostles, that was different than John. It was, it was, it was, it was special knowledge, and through this knowledge they had transcended their humanity. And that was basically their teaching. Now I'm going to go into the four main tenets of Gnosticism next week, but, but this week the, the main tenet that John starts chopping away at is this idea that we saw Jesus, we touched Him, we felt Him. Why is that important? Because one of the first tenets of Gnostic of the Gnostic Gospels, and there were Gnostic Gospels written. You may have heard of the Gospel of Judas. Um, that's a Gnostic Gospel. It was it was it was declared as heresy by the apostles um, because it, it it espoused the beliefs and the values of Gnosticism. Um, basically, Gnosticism says all flesh is always evil, unredeemably evil, bad. All flesh, all, all matter, all things. This, is, this, this earth is just evil. It's bad. Now, all things spiritual, that's holy, that's pure, that's beautiful. But this earth is just, it's just, it's just dirty, it's bad. And then somebody popped up and said, okay, so um, what about Jesus? Because <laughs> Jesus was God, but he became flesh. Did he become bad? And they said, no, well, that can't be, because that doesn't make any sense. Um, so they, they came up with this idea that there was two basic theories, but the, the, the most popular one was that, that Jesus merely looked like he was human, but really he was like an angel, kind of like in the Old Testament when angels would, would appear and show up to people. They look like people, but they don't bleed like people. Right? They're, not, they're not really people. And so he looked like he was here in order to show us the way that we should live. And then he sort of, you know, like pretended to die on the cross. And then he kind of went away. And this was one of the main theories of Gnosticism because, because they could not reconcile dirty flesh with holy God. They, they just couldn't do it. This was, this was, this, you can't do that. It's impossible. And so John starts off his gospel saying, by the way, I touched him. I saw him. I walked with him. I heard him. And I saw him. And then I saw him. And he's making it very clear. 
that that this that this Gnosticism is not of God. That this is that this is weird, and this is something else. This is some other kind of gospel. And and so he says, I want you to enter into fellowship with us, with us, the church. I want you to come into fellowship with us and come into fellowship with God. And in order to do that, he starts breaking this down in verse uh, five. He says, This is the message that we have heard from Him. We've heard from Jesus and we declare to you that God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. Now the Gnostics are shouting amen at this one. They're like, yeah, come on, preach it somebody. This is, this is good stuff right here. God is light. There's no darkness. The actual word in the original language means there is not even a shadow, not even a hint. Like God is so pure. There is nothing in Him that could ever be corrupted. They're like, yeah, that's right. In verse number 6, check it out, he kind of like, cracks the neck of of the church. (laughs) He says, If we say that we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, we are lying and not practicing the truth. (laughs) Ouch. Because the, the Gnostic teachers said, Look, all flesh is evil, so you can't help yourself. You're going to be evil. That's why, that's why they wrote the, the, the gospel of Judas. Because in that gospel, Judas was kind of the hero of the story. Now, Judas sinned, absolutely. He betrayed Jesus. It doesn't get much worse than that. But the Gnostics argued, hey, but look what happened. Judas betrayed Jesus, very sinful. But look what happened. When Judas betrayed Jesus, then Jesus got to go to the cross and die for all of humanity. So good stuff comes out of our bad stuff. And that's what Paul was talking about when he said, should we continue in sin in order that grace may abound? He said, certainly not. Because there were people teaching that, the, that you can't help yourself, so you just need to be as sinful as you possibly Just be human. Just be, just be as human as you want to be, and God will forgive all of that, and that will make God look even better because you're so nasty and, and ugly. And, and John says, wait a minute, wait a minute, time out. If God is light, if He is this pure, just this pure energy of light, then if you are in His proximity... You're going to be walking in light. John says, wait a minute, you can't tell me that you're walking with God and at the same time walking in darkness. If you do that, you're lying to yourself. You're, you're fooling yourself. And uh, you can hear the spine of the early church just kind of go, crack. Because <laughs> that is what chiropractic is. It's like, it's like he takes your neck as far as you think it should go. And then he pushes it a little bit further, you know what I'm saying? And it pops it like back into place. And the church says, oh, well, yeah, I guess, yeah, that's probably true. Now in verse 7 he says, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship. There's a word again. With one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Now, so how do you walk in the light? Well, it's, it's real easy. When you get in close proximity to Jesus... His, his light or knowledge shines on your life. The Bible says uh, that, that, that your word is a lamp. In Psalms it says that your word, which by the way the word is Jesus, it's also the written word, your word is a lamp to my feet and light to my path. So, so he shines a light on what you should do next and you take a step. And then he shines a light on what you should do next and then you take a step. And he shines a light on what you take. And before you know it, you didn't really realize it, but you're actually walking. You thought you were just taking little steps, but actually this is, this is the walk of faith. This is what it means to walk with God. Is by moment by moment, realizing what he wants you to do and just doing it. Just taking that step, okay, I, I, okay, I, I see this next step in front of me, I'm going, I'm going, I'm going to take that step. It's just one step at a time. And this is and this is what he says. He says if we walk in the light as he is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other. 
And the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. This is the first time he's mentioned the blood of Jesus. This is why it's so important that Jesus wasn't just an apparition, that he had real, a real body, because his real blood is powerful. And he's trying to align them with this idea that you are not irre, irre, irredeemably lost. You are not always... You don't always have to be the way you've always been. You don't have to wander around in darkness. If you find Jesus, you find light. In other words, you can live with the lights on. <laughs> you can live your life with the lights on. You can walk around in darkness if you want. But if you find Jesus, you're going to start seeing things a little bit differently. You're going to start walking a little bit differently. It's going to impact your life. And that's a good thing. He's not judging them. He's not saying, look, you guys need to get your act together. He's telling them. He's saying, look, look, look. The power of the blood of Jesus is so great. Because like, that's, that's, that's one of the great errors of Gnosticism. It's basically, I mean, why did Jesus come at all? If, 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 if we just have to attain, if we just have to transcend through, through, through meditation, we just transcend our humanity, if that's all we do, then, then, then there's no purpose for the blood. There's no purpose for everything that Jesus went through. It's just a, it's just a big show. But Jesus wasn't just a show. He was a sacrifice for our sins. And His blood is the, is the cleansing power that washes us, cleanses. That word cleanse means to scrub and to get out every single little stain and little bit of dirt. So when you walk in the light with, with God, then the blood of His Son can cleanse us of our sin. And that's good news. <laughs> it says, actually, from all sin. But verse 8, he kind of cracks, cracks him back the other way, because this is, this is what chiropractor does. He leans you one way, then he leans you the other. Verse 8, he goes the other way, and he says, by the way, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. In other words, he's saying, look, I know you're going to have some sin. I'm not saying that you're going to be perfect. I'm not saying that you're never going to, never going to have a bad day. So you know, let's, let's, not, let's not go crazy. Let's not go way off on this end that we're just going to always just live in this, this light. That we know there's going to be some darkness in us because we're not God. And so there's, there's a process that you're going to have to go through. He says, he says, if we say we don't have any sin, man, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But this is the hope. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just. This is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. If we confess our sins... He is faithful and just to forgive us, number one, and number two, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now that word confess has gotten a bad rap in the church. It Typically people mean to apologize to God. Like, God, I'm so sorry I did this, and then um, there was that. And, then, and what they end up doing is they end up digging back in their past and finding every single and calling their mom. So, Mom, when I was 10, did I do anything bad? Because I need to confess that to God. And that, that's not what he's saying. Confess doesn't mean to like, you know, like, like, like if you're a criminal, like, okay, okay, I did it. That's not confess in the original language. The original language here simply means to agree. It means to come into alignment, to come into agreement with God about your sin. So this is, this is both negative and positive, because on the one hand, God says sin is very serious, and if you don't think that's the truth, just look at the cross. Look at the price that Jesus paid for sin. It's a very high price. Obviously, God hates sin. But at the same time, God says that He has the power to forgive all past stuff and to cleanse your present heart. And if you don't think that's possible, just look at the cross. <laughs> Does God hate sin? Absolutely. Does He love the sinner? Absolutely. You just look at the cross and you see both 
both his judgment and his grace <laughs> in the same person. Jesus Christ takes the, the punishment. You see sin, you see the effects of that, and it's awful. But you also see the power that God is offering us. And the Gnostics really denied both. <laughs> the Gnostics said, well, sin isn't really that big a deal because you're human. And, um, well, by the way, you really can't escape it anyway. So kick back and live in bondage. Like, this is, this is life. This is bondage. So believe in Jesus. That's cool. Add him to, the, to, to your list of, of helpful things. That's nice. But you're, you, you don't think you're actually going to, like, get out of bondage. Don't think you're actually going to be able to walk in light. I mean, don't think you're actually... I mean, you know, you, that's, not, that's not possible. And the early church was beginning to believe this. And what was happening is it was, it was putting their spine out of alignment. And what happened when their spine, their spirit was out of alignment, all the rest of their life started stinking. All the rest of their life started dying. And so, and so they lived in bondage financially. They lived in bondage relationally. They lived. They were okay with pain. They were okay with suffering in their in their in their own walk because hey, we're, we're you know, there's nothing we can do about it. There's no power available to us. And what John is saying, this isn't. He's saying this isn't true. Jesus didn't go through everything he went through so you could just live a life of bondage. Jesus went through everything he went through so you could have freedom. Jesus says in John 10.10 10, that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. And so he, John's saying, guys, look, you're settling for way less than you were ever supposed to. Like these teachers, it sounds good, but man, it's making you just settle for far less than what God planned on. God has absolute freedom for you. God has absolute... I don't care what you grew up with. I don't care what your dad grew up with. I don't care what your grandfather... God has absolute freedom for you. There's no addiction. There's no, there's, there's, there's no bondage. There's no relationship. There's no mistake that you have made that has got you stuck where God's blood cannot wash you clean as if it never happened in the first place. And I don't know what, who you've been listening to or what you've been thinking, but it's not true. If it says you, you are stuck right here and you can never walk in the light, it's not true. You can walk in freedom. Not because you're special or super or powerful or have special knowledge like the Gnostics, but because of the blood of Jesus. Because the blood of Jesus was so costly and so very precious. He says, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. The truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he's faithful and righteous to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, once again, he's going back. If we say we have not sinned, man, we are making him out to be a liar and his word isn't in us. But First John chapter 2 says, my little children. And I love the way this old apostle is, is greeting his folks. He says, it's such tenderness. He says, my little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, if anyone sins, the Gnostics would not have liked that word, if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, and he himself is the propitiation, is used in this translation, and in another it says the atonement for our sins. Not for ours only, but also for the whole world. He says, my little children, if we sin, we have a paraclete, and that's the that's that's the Greek word. Sorry, sometimes I get messed up with English and Greek. He says we have a we have we have an advocate. Is the way it's translated in English. We have an advocate. Now the word advocate. I don't really like the word advocate in this context because it sounds very legal. And that's what advocate usually was. If that word was used in a legal setting, the word advocate is is, is correct because what it means is paraclete. So para along with and then cleat to help or cletus to, to be a helper. And so Jesus even said, when I, when I go to the Father, I'm going to pray and send a helper, a paraclete to you. 
you know the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are all one, so they, they sometimes, they, 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 they're one. And so, so the, the Bible says here that Jesus is this helper. He's this, this advocate or this paraclete, this one who comes alongside you and helps you. Now, the reason why I don't think it's legal is because he says we have a, we have a, we have an advocate with the Father. Well, the Father's not your judge. He doesn't, he's not, he's not up there, uh, up there in heaven looking where he can squash you and, and send you to jail. He's your Father. He loves you. He wants you to make it. And he says we have a paraclete. And uh, I know that my, my Greek teacher would, would kill me, but um, that kind of sounds like a paracletes. <laughs> and so, continuing the soccer <laughs> thinking. Has anybody tried to play soccer with tennis shoes? It's no fun. Uh, you're out there in the grass. You're slipping and sliding. Like you have no, you have no like traction. You can't like you, you, you can't cut. You have no burst of speed. You can't even feel the ball because you have the big clunky shoes on. You know, and it's tough. And some of us, I think, we're playing the game of life just like that. We're playing in our tennis shoes, and so we we make a commitment and we slip on that, and then we we make a commit a decision here and we slip on that. And we have nothing. We have no. We have no stick. And God wants to give us a pair of cleats. <laughs> he wants to give you a spiritual pair of cleats, a helper. He's not, he's not coming to judge you. He's not, he's not coming to bash you upside the head so you did something wrong. He's, he's coming to help you. He's coming to help you. And so many times we, we're, we're, we're content to, li- to play this game of life in our tennis shoes. We're, 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 we're equipped to, to, to be a little bit slower and a little bit less accurate and a little bit slipping around everywhere. But we, we, we don't understand that God has a pair of cleats for us. Like he's got, he's got a helper to come alongside you, to help you with that attitude problem, help you with that pride problem, help you with that greed problem, help you with that jealousy problem, help you with that lust problem. It's not, you're, not, you're not made to be slipping and sliding all over life. There's a, there's a helper to come alongside you, give you some, some stick, you know, and saying like, man, we don't, like, we don't, nobody's got any stick anymore. Nobody, nobody's got, like, grit. Nobody grabs anything anymore. It was just like, well, yeah, yeah I'll be there around 12 or 1.30 or, and, uh, you know, it's like, it's like we're, just, we're, just, we're sloppy with our schedules, we're sloppy with our commitments, we're sloppy in our marriages, we're sloppy with our finances, we slip around and maybe we got this much, maybe we have that much, I don't really know, but I'm going to get a credit card so it doesn't really matter, and we're sloppy, and we're slipping all over the place, and I think God wants us to get a little, you know, a little grit in there, some stick, like, you know, like, you can actually make a decision and turn, you know? It's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fast sugar for 21 days, and I'm actually going to fast sugar for not for 21 minutes, for 21 days. And so you get a little stick in there, and you do it, you know? Because, but not, not, not because you're strong, but because God is strong inside of you. Because you've got a paraclete. You've got a helper that says, all right, all right, you can make that commitment. I'll help you. I'll help, I'll help it stick. Don't have time to finish the rest of chapter 2. We'll get into that, get into that next week. But um, let, me, let me just read over it just so you get an idea. It says, Now by this we know that we know Him. <laughs> Once again, the word know. If we keep His commandments, He who says, I know Him and doesn't keep His commandments is a liar. The truth is not in Him. But whoever keeps His word, the love of God is perfected in Him. By this we know that we are in Him. He who says He abides in Him ought Himself also to walk just as He walked. Jesus left us an example. He says, now He's, he's, he's wrapping up this, this idea of fellowship. He says, Brothers, I write no new commandment to you, but an old commandment which you've had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you heard from the beginning. Okay, so he's talking about Leviticus. What's the main commandment of the whole Old Testament? Jesus wrapped it up. He said, love God with everything you got and then love your neighbor as yourself. 
That's it's basically all of the old commandment. He says, he says, so this is the old commandment. But now he says again, a new commandment I write to you. So he cracks his neck one way. Now he's snapping it the other way. He says, actually, there's a new addition to this old commandment. And it's found in the Gospel of John where Jesus said, uh, a new commandment I leave to you. Love each other as I have loved you. And so he adds to the old love each other as yourself. But now he's, he, he makes it even greater. Love each other as I have loved you. So my, I'm the example of your love for each other. And then, and then he says, uh, John, John says, this new commandment, this thing, it's true in him and it's true in you because darkness is passing away and light is already shining. He who says he is in the light but hates his brother <laughs> is in darkness until now. He who loves his brother abides in the light and there is no cause for stumbling in him but he who hates his brother is in darkness walks in darkness and doesn't know where he's going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. In other words, if you say that you have vertical fellowship and you don't have horizontal fellowship, you don't really have vertical fellowship because if the fellowship between you and God is going to affect the fellowship between you and people. And so I think it's interesting that on the same Sunday that, that, that the Holy Spirit was telling me to share about 1 John chapter 1 is also the first Sunday that we're starting small groups. We're launching small groups because that's what small groups is all about here at City Chapel. And I'm like, well, this is pretty much what I'm talking. I'm talking about fellowship. And then they tell me, yeah, we're going to be starting small groups this week. And and I just think I think that's the Holy Spirit trying to reiterate what He wants you to do. <laughs> One of the best ways to get into alignment is to submit to God's word and say, God, yep, I want to start thinking like you. I want to agree with you with regard to my sin. I agree with you that I can be saved from this. And that's, that's step number one. But step number two is to enter into a fellowship or a partnership with other people. Because this whole, this whole alignment thing, it's, 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 it, I mean, you, like, it's so easy to feel like you're super, super humble when it's, when it's just you and Jesus. And then let somebody, you know, accuse you of something. <laughs> and you're like, well, I would never do that. I'm way too humble to have pride. Uh, you know, community brings out all sorts of kinks and stuff in your spiritual spine. And community also can help align that and help crack that back into space because you have somebody who's there who loves you, who's going to support you and walk you through this. And be honest with you. And so we have a number of groups starting up today. So I'm just going to have all the small group leaders, if you would stand up and just go on out right now. Um, I'm getting ready to dismiss. But um, we've set up some tables out there, and I want them to be ready. Um, and so I want to read the groups to you, and this is your next step. Number one, agree with God. Number two, connect with somebody else. Connect with another human. Connect with, with other people. Uh, and we have groups for all sorts of places of life. And we don't just do groups because it's something to do. We do groups because we believe that this is part of the fellowship that John's talking about. It's very important that you get locked into this fellowship. So my wife and I are teaching a group on parenting. Um, and we're going to help We're going to help align your parenting. Uh, we're going to help align the way that you treat your kids. And it's not because we know everything. It's just we're just going to we're just going to talk about the Bible and we're going to talk about how that applies to parenting. Um, we are, we're also going to have uh, uh, T Bear is doing a family dinner group. T Bear and Susie, they're aligning how you eat. I think yeah. eating alignment. Um, <laughs> no, they're also going through a book as well. But uh, then we're going to have some moms' night out with Bryony and Kristen. Um, and sometimes that's 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 a huge alignment, especially for single moms in our church. Uh, you don't have uh, anybody to watch your kids. We're going to get a babysitter, and we're going to organize events for you guys to hang out. And you'd be surprised at how how aligning that is. 
when you when you step back from the busyness and, and connect. Uh, we got a group for single ladies. Guys are not allowed to become aligned in that group. Um, <laughs> I know you're trying to straighten some things out, but that's not where you do it. Uh, get you get to work on yourself. Um, <laughs> anyway, single ladies, uh, Lindsay, Lindsay Padgett, and uh, Lindsay's gonna be out there. Diana's gonna be out there. Um, uh, cooking as well, <laughs> which this is just, this is just, this is, you say, well, that's not spiritual. There's no alignment that happens there. Really? You'd be surprised at the rela how the relationships in your life affect the rest of your life. And sometimes it's just simple, like, well, I went to school with this person, and when I met this person, that's when I started a good thing or a bad thing. People are always, always at the corner of your decisions. <laughs> So go cook. Go cook with some Christian ladies. Uh, City Chapel Young Adults in San Marcos. City Chapel Young Adults in uh, South Austin. Um, that's that's some great alignment for our t our college folks. Uh, we have a men's group. Jeff Jeff Fish is going to be walking through the Book of Joshua. Um, so it's a very biblical based group. We have a financial freedom group. Ricky and Veronica is going to help you get aligned in your finances. Um, then we have the Energizers. That's the the young people over fifty, uh, and uh, they. They're on fire, yeah. They meet at Jamie's house. Um, we also have a sermon-based group for the first time. Robert and Marianne, Robert and Marianne, I can't talk, are going to be leading that and uh, just walking through my sermons, breaking it down a little more. We also have a, a group for new Christians. Um, so if you're if you're a new Christian, check out Robbie and Cindy's group. We have a Bethmore Bible study, and we have a game night, and then we have City Chapel Young Adults. Um, these are all different groups. They're all going to be out there in the, the foyer. So I'm just going to pray over you, and we're going to bow our heads and pray. And for many of you, this is just the altar call. <laughs> Uh, the altar call is a step in the community, is to get out from yourself, get out from your own self-sufficiency and say, actually, I need other people. Because the Bible says that we are a body, which means if you're a hand, then yes, you get your message from the head, absolutely. But that message from the head flows through the spine, flows through your arm to the hand. And so the message comes through people. God wants to speak to you through people. He wants to speak to you through friends, through community. He wants to speak to you through, not, not just through Pastor Harry, but through people. Everyday, ordinary people. And so, let's, let's uh, just bow our heads for just a moment and close our eyes. And if, if this message is speaking to you and you want to choose, number one, to agree with God and put your faith in Him, just raise your hand and tell me that you're making that decision today and that you're going to align yourself with Him vertically, spiritually. Your spirit's going to come into alignment. Yeah. That's awesome. My spirit's coming to alignment with God today about, about me and about my sin. I, let's just pray right now. Just go ahead and pray with me about that. Just pray. Say, say, Dear God, I put my faith in Jesus. <laughs> and I believe that He's able to save me from my sins. <laughs> and I ask Him to come into my heart and align my life with His will. I make Jesus my boss. I choose to walk with Him from this day forward.